if the government doesn't give us the infrastructure, if the government doesn't pass policies or laws um, that will detain these individuals pending their court hearings, we're going to continue to see this and cartels are going to be able to continue to, uh, to operate in the misery of other individuals and make huge profits. You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army. Hi, I'm Alan Roth, president of Secure America Now. We are fortunate to have with us today Brandon Judd, president of the National Border Control Council. Brandon has 22 years experience keeping America safe from people trying to sneak across our border. Brandon, thanks for taking the time from your busy schedule to update us on the true situation at our southern border. I want to begin our conversation by asking you whether do you agree with the 65% of Americans who say the border situation is a serious national security problem? Yeah, Alan, first off, thank you for having me. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate what Secure America do, America now does for the American public. And, and to answer that question, absolutely. Uh, the, the vast majority of the American public wants a secure border. The, ma- the vast majority of the American public understands that our border is not secure as we speak. And unless we uh, implement policies from the administration level, we're just never going to do it. Um, we, we saw how effective policies can be under the last administration. Um, and now that those policies have been done away with, we're seeing just how catastrophic that is to the security of our borders. So can you explain why the cartels and other unsavory types are encouraging people from south of our borders to come, as some people would say, to invade our country, that they're coming in huge numbers. And why did that suddenly explode? So the cartels, they, they're a business. Whether we like it or not, it's an illegal business, but they're a business. They, they have to generate revenue. And the, the easiest way for them to generate revenue is to be able to go into countries like Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, even China, Brazil, um, Bangladesh, um, they go into these countries and they advertise their services. And what they do is they tell people that if they pay them money, they'll get them to the borders of the United States. And if they cross the borders illegally, you'll still be able to, st- to stay in the United States. And they do this based upon policies that, that are currently in effect. And so these, these criminal organizations have been very successful at going into these countries saying, look, if you cross the border right now, you're going to be let go. Yes, you're going you're, you're gonna to have to put yourselves in the hands of the Border Patrol. They're going to process you. They're going to fingerprint you. But ultimately, they're going to let you go. And, and this promise that they're making to these people and the fact that it is, in fact, happening, um, this, is what, uh, this is what lures these people to put their, their, themselves in the hands of these very, very dangerous criminal organizations who make billions of dollars a year off of our policy. Is this uh, flow of people, this increased flow of illegal immigrants into our country, is it also bringing with it drugs, 
um, and that infect, frankly, our young people here in the States. So that's, that's why the cartels are so successful, is what they do is they, they traffic in both humans and they traffic in narcotics and other illicit products, not just narcotics. They, they also traffic in, in, in weapons. Um, they traffic in counterfeit goods. But what they do is they flood the border with, with quote-unquote, asylum seekers. And when, they, when these asylum seekers cross the border in large numbers, um, Border Patrol agents are forced to take them into custody, take them back to our processing centers to process them. And that pulls a lot of our manpower out of the field, and it opens up artificial gaps in our coverage. And when, they, when they're able to open up these artificial gaps, they're then able to cross their higher value products, such as fentanyl, such as cocaine, um, methamphetamines. They're able to cross these, these very dangerous high value products, and they're also able to cross um, criminal aliens, and in, in some cases, aliens from special interest countries. You mentioned that there has been a change in policy from the past administration to this administration. One of those policy changes was the decision to stop the construction of the border wall. Do you think that that has had a negative impact in terms of controlling border crossings? There's two major things that happened that, that have been um, very, very horrible for border security. And that is one, stopping the construction of border wall, like you just mentioned, and two, the, the suspension of the Remain in Mexico program. So when the, the border wall, it doesn't help us with asylum seekers. Um, all you have to do is put one foot in the United States, and even if there's a wall there, um, and you put your foot in the United States, and you say, hey, I want you to take me into custody, I have to take you into custody. But the wall helps to dictate the flow of traffic, the illicit um, uh, products that are coming across, the criminal aliens, the, the aliens from special interest countries, the narcotics, it allows us to control that flow. And if we can dictate where those crossings take place, we can be much more successful. But then go back to the Remain in Mexico uh, program. Because the Biden administration got uh, suspended that program, now anybody that comes, they claim asylum, I have to take them into custody. I can't send them back to Mexico. And that depletes our resources, which again creates those artificial gaps. So with, with, when we don't have those walls in place, those artificial gaps become even bigger. Brandon, I recently saw a short clip on TV about a small border town in the United States, which uh, just threw up its hands and said, we are being overwhelmed with, in a sense, dumping of illegal immigrants into their town. What is life like for Americans whether they're private sector ranchers or for small towns along the border, what is life like at a time when you have this very serious problem of policing the border? Well, it's very telling when border towns are throwing their hands in the air and asking the administration to do more for border security. 
the vast majority of these border towns are um, democratically controlled border towns. Uh, their mayors are Democrats. Uh, their city councils are Democrats. And when they're the ones that are stepping up and saying, we've got a problem, there's a major problem, um, then, you, then you can truly understand that this issue is now starting to transcend politics. Um, border security has always been, it's always been political football. Uh, pass it off, the, uh, the left uses it to, to make their points, the right uses it to make their points. Um, but when you see that you have a, a Democratic administration and Democrats in these border towns are throwing their hands in the air and saying, we have to have help, this needs to stop, that's when you know that we seriously have a problem. Brandon, there have been multiple stories about these immigrants, actually some of them having uh, COVID-19 after they cross the border. That when they're in your custody or the United States custody, that when they're tested, and I'd like, I want to broaden the question to include, are all of these immigrants being tested? And if someone tests positive for COVID-19, are they handled differently or are they released into the community? It's actually a very uh, difficult question to understand. It's, it's, it's not the federal government that tests the vast majority of these individuals. So if somebody crosses the border illegally and they do not exhibit any symptoms of COVID-19, uh, the Border Patrol will then, if they're going to be released, if they fall in the classes that are going to be released under the Catch and Release program, they'll be released to non-governmental organizations. These organizations are saying that they're testing people, but there's no oversight. So there's no way to really know whether or not these individuals are being tested. If they come into our custody, if, I, if, if, if Border Patrol agents arrest somebody that crosses the border illegally and they exhibit symptoms of COVID-19, then we will take them to the hospital or we'll have um, um, testing agents come to our facilities and they will test them there. If they get tested and they test positive for COVID-19, then we must quarantine them until their symptoms abate. But the ones that get released that, that, that are supposed to be tested by the non-governmental organizations or the NGOs, there's just no oversight. So we don't know if they're being tested and we don't know if they're being tested properly. So there's just no way to there's just just no way to tell what is actually coming into our community. A border agent, someone who your colleagues, yourself, uh, how can you describe a typical day, both day and night, of what it's like patrolling and enforcing and protecting the border? Um, in a time like this? I really wish I could paint a picture because it's so different from Texas up to California. You know, Texas has a river, well, in the Rio Grande Valley, they have a river um, that is the border between Mexico and the United States. In Arizona, there's no river. Uh, and so it's, it's very different from location to location. And in, right now in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas, uh, the vast majority of people that are crossing the border are people that are, that are crossing and giving up. They're throwing their hands in the air saying, hey, here I am, come take me into custody, because they know that they're ultimately gonna, going to be released. In Arizona, it's a completely different story. These people are crossing the border and they're trying to evade apprehension. They don't want to be detected. They want to get away. 
And so when you look at the, the, the difference in, in the terrain, when you look at the difference in what the smuggling organizations are doing, um, because there are different smuggling organizations that control different parts of the border, and they operate differently, and they have the people that cross the border illegally um, um, do things differently. So it, it's very different from location to location. But what remains the same is the amount of money these criminal organizations are able to generate because it is so easy to cross our borders illegally. If, if the government doesn't give us the infrastructure, if the government doesn't pass policies or laws um, that will detain these individuals pending their court hearings, we're going to continue to see this and cartels are going to be able to continue to, uh, to operate in the misery of other individuals and make huge profits. If you had a meeting with President Biden, what are the one, two, or three things that you would like to see him do to alleviate the, the current set of problems at the border? There's three things that I would advocate for. The first is I would advocate to put pressure on the Mexican government to be true border security partners. We give um, billions of dollars of, in aid to the Mexican government on a yearly basis. We should be able to expect that the, that, that government is going to help us for the aid that we give them every single year. If I was President Biden, I would put the requisite pressure on the Mexican government to be a true border security partner. The second thing that I would do is I would set up courts on the border and I would adjudicate these asylum claims without releasing them into the United States. The, the Department of Justice said that the claims can be adjudicated within 180 days. If we were to do that, if we were to hold people in custody pending the adjudication of their claims, then the catch and release magnet would go away and you would see illegal border crossings drop exponentially. I would then give us the infrastructure that, I, that, that we need, such as, such as walls. Because if we can dictate where the illegal narcotics are coming into the United States, if we can dictate where the criminal aliens and aliens of special interest countries, if we can dictate where they're coming in, then we're going to be a lot more successful in protecting the American public. With those three things, and, and by the way, it's not, those, those three things don't cost a, a lot of money, and it's very doable. With those three things, we could, in fact, secure our borders. Uh, there was a news report, I think it was yesterday, that Vice President Harris was going to be the administration point person on the border and the border questions. Has she arrived yet? Has she consulted with um, with with you folks, or has she toured the border area as of this point? She has not. She has not come to the border yet. Um, I expect that she will come to the border. What I'm hoping that she is going to be willing to do is I'm hoping that she's going to be be willing to bring that district attorney mentality. She used to be a district attorney in California, and she was very good. Um, at, at that time. Now, when she got into politics, she's moved um, um, to the far left. But now that she's in a position where the buck stops with her, I'm hoping that she's going to bring that attorney mentality to the border to do what is necessary um, to allow us uh, to take the handcuffs off the good guys 
and put them on the bad guys, proverbially speaking. Um, if she does that, then we can, in, in, in fact, secure the border. Do I expect that she's going to speak with me? Um, I doubt it. Um, you know, there, people are always going to look at us and say this is a very conservative organization. Um, even though we support Democrats and Republicans, we support those that, that, that want to secure the border. I don't expect that she will speak with me, but I don't care. As long as she's willing to do what's necessary to secure the border, we're going to be good. You, before the administration officially um, got off the ground, uh, you had praise for the person who I believe is going to be or has been confirmed as the home, as the director of Homeland Security, uh, a person who in fact was a refugee from Cuba. Do you uh, still have, as you just mentioned, uh, high hopes or hopes uh, that that Kamala Harris will uh, will understand and take um, necessary actions to secure the border? That this head of Homeland Security will do the same. So Alejandro Mayorkas, he is the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. He is a cabinet level official. Um, he is part of the administration. He is an extremely intelligent person. He understands border security. He knows what needs to be done. Um, and and I, am, I am confident that he is going to give President Biden um, the right advice. Whether President Biden accepts that advice or not, I don't know. That remains to be seen. But I do know that he is the right person for this administration. Um, now let's just hope that again that that uh, Vice President Harris and that President Biden listen to him because if they do, uh, we have a fighting chance of securing the border. Well, Brandon, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, to share your insights as well as update us as to what is going on at the border. As you know, Secure America Now has tremendous. Um, of all positive things to say about the Border Patrol people who have been on our show. We invite you guys to come back here as often as possible. I agree with you. The vast majority of the American people see you guys as heroes on a daily basis who are protecting American uh, law-abiding American citizens. And Alan, I really appreciate you having me on. I, I appreciate the support that you give us. And, and, and I really, really appreciate the support of the American public for the mission of the, of the U.S. Border Patrol. It's important. It's important that we do secure our borders. Thank you again. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Code Red Podcast. Be sure to click subscribe to stay up to date and be the first to hear about our future podcast. You can also find and subscribe to the Code Red Podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube.